0: Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. Most messages on the church are about how the church works, what the church should be doing, right? Or how bad the church is and how, you know, there's just many versions of messages on the church. But what I'm really interested in Is I'm really interested in what the Bible the the, who the Bible says the church is. Okay, that's a fascinating, a fascinating thought. And 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 I'll tell you what's got me thinking about this is this verse, Philippians one eight. It says, God is my witness how how greatly I long for you with all the affections of Jesus Christ. How greatly I long those are powerful, emotionally charged words. That Paul is saying to a church, okay? He's communicating something to these people. It's not just individuals. And and lots of times we would think about, oh, that was his friends. But there was this love in him, but it was a love from the Lord. It was like God, through Paul, was declaring how he longed for this people, for this church, for this community of people. Isn't that powerful? And so, many times, you know, our view of church, and I promise you this, our view of church does not always line up with the Bible's view of the church. Okay? And so, we will never, listen, we will never as, as a people and as a church really begin to understand what the church is supposed to do until we really have a better understanding of the identity of the church. Do y'all follow that? Y'all are kind of quiet, Listen to me. You, here, you know, all of us as individuals, we tend to think, what am I supposed to do with my life? What is God's will? Uh, And that's a great question, a great thought, but really the, the answer to answer that question more better or adequately is we have to really know who we are first, who has God said I am? How has God created me as a human being? And who has He said I am? And then out of that you can begin to discover what you're supposed to do. Does that make sense? I promise you that's how the Bible works. That's how, how God has ordained His kingdom to work in people's life. It's, it's not... It's not because I spent years trying to find out what I was supposed to do, ignoring who I really was because I didn't know who I was. But once I began to understand who I was through revelation of knowing who God was in a greater way, I began to know what I was supposed to do in my life. And so it works the same with the church. We want the church to be a certain way, and we have an expectation on the church, and we have a view of the church. But we haven't really understood. I don't think we have. I haven't, okay? I haven't really understood who God says the church is. Other than, you know, there's a few things I could quote from the Bible, okay? But th- this is amazing. Um, Yes, sir. Lord, thank you. I want to get rid of all the negative perceptions of the church that I have. Because I have a lot of negative perception when I hear something bad thing about the church or, you know... I mean, obviously the church has lots of issues. There's just no doubt about that. I'm not saying we don't have issues. I'm not saying that even the things that people point their finger at the church, people in the world and people within the church, I'm not saying they're wrong on any day. They're more than likely right. Okay? But I I want to adopt a different view of the church. I want to adopt a biblical view. Because I believe as I begin to see the church biblically, I can begin to see what the church should be actually doing and fulfilling the church's destiny. Which I will tell you what, our destiny is the kingdom, the the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's the church's destiny. And let me just say this, y'all. That is the ultimate answer for the world. Without, because Jesus says, once that message is preached all over the world, then the end will come. The gospel of the kingdom. And, you know, it's really the only weapon that we really ultimately have to defeat what's happening in the world right now. It really is. Because what is happening, the darkness is, that's happening in the world, is not purely political. Those are surface things. There's a deeper darkness at work in the world, a much deeper darkness, a much higher level darkness. I just, let me just say this. I love that we were singing. That song that the king is alive, that's an important word because the whole issue is to destroy the king. And that issue continues. The devil still has a plan to take the king out. Believe it or not, if you study the Bible, you'll see that that plan is ongoing. Although the devil knows in the end he's going to be defeated, but he's going to do his best to drag everything off along with. He's going to try to drag the Lord into the mud and convince people that he can defeat the Lord. There's a final battle that'll happen. So listen. So, God really wants to tell us who we are, individually and as a church. That He wants to have that say in our life. Not the world, not the broken churches out there that we would point our fingers at not the celebrity Christian culture, not the seeker-sensitive culture, not any of that stuff. We want to find out what God has to say and begin to agree with Him and begin to proclaim that. And when we begin to do that, we can begin to shift things. But if we go along and continue to agree with the negative and and be mouthpieces for the negative, we're just being a mouthpiece for the devil. We're being a mouthpiece for the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So, um, you know, Paul, Paul himself, let, let's get this. Paul experienced the same disappointments, the same hurts, the same discouragements that every believer has in the church. Just, just a, a, a surface reading of his letters to, to most of the churches, you get that Paul was deeply concerned and in some, some cases hurt by what was happening in the church. Felt betrayed, he was actually betrayed by church people. Demas has forsaken me. Demas, having loved this world, has forsaken me. Demas, a man who traveled with Paul. So he understood this, yet, listen to this. Listen to this. He calls the church in his letters, all his letters, at least twelve times beloved. At least twelve times. He frequently addresses believers as brothers and sisters. As brothers, and he identified with them as family. And he often called them saints. Okay? And every church, every letter that Paul wrote to a church, there was one consistent thing that he did. He was always thankful for them. A sincere, genuine thankfulness for that church. Even, even the Galatians who ate up religion and legalism. Even the Corinthians who were, who were immature and into sexual immorality and into all kinds of weird stuff, abusive with the gifts because they were so immature, he was very thankful for them. And he, t- he talked about being burdened. And I'm talking about in a, in a, a right way for the churches. A, a burden because he loved them and cared for them. Um, Philippians 4.1. This is it. Therefore, my beloved... And long for, brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. So right there are five ways that Paul looked at the church. Beloved two times. He wanted to make sure they knew that they were very loved. And he not only, he said they were, they were brethren, they were longed for, they were his crown. And that's not like a royal crown he's talking about. that. That's a crown, a victor crown. That was the crown that they gave people in the Olympics back in the day. When they won the Olympics, he was declaring, you're my crown. You're everything to me. That's what Paul was saying. You are the evidence of my life, of what God has done in my life. I'm crowned by you. That's that's how he felt about them. And And he said, you're my joy. That's pretty powerful. That's like five things. Well, if you look in the New Testament, overall, there's about 100 very positive descriptions of the church like that in the New Testament as a whole. About approximately 100 where in the New Testament, with the different writers talking about the church, those kinds of beautiful things that was said about the church that's pretty powerful isn't it are y'all with me on this i hope you are well here's some common ones that we all probably know that's in the new testament that we're a flock uh, we're a herd we're the household of god we're the pillar of truth the pillar and ground of truth Mm. We're a holy temple. We're a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. All of those are things that the New Testament says about the church. That's what they're saying about us. They're saying, that's who you are. God wants us to know this is who you are. You're a royal priesthood. You're the crown of the Lord. You're the joy of the Lord. And that means, I want to be here with you, because you're amazing. That's what joy is. I'm so happy to be with you. Are y'all good? Yeah, Yeah, amen. Yeah, (laughs) getting better. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Well, um, so, let me just say, there's like, what I think, okay, this is what I think. I think there's like four core revelations of the church in, in the New Testament. There's like four things that are really kind of that are threaded throughout the New Testament. Descriptions of the church, metaphors, pictures, images that that are repeated over and over. One's a body, one's a family, one's a building, and one's a bride. Did y'all get that? Body, building, family, bride. I believe those are like the four main revelations if, if we had to like oh we got to pick we got to get a hold of at least four of these or at least one of these is would be those four that how we begin to see see ourselves am i talking to anybody yeah. like we need to look in the mirror and see ourselves differently so first let me just talk about the body the body of christ first corinthians twelve, twelve. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So, first of all, Paul used that metaphor more than any other when he talked about the, the church, is that we're a body. That was his main one he went after over and over. Peter uses it. John, they all use it, okay? That we're a body and that every member... Is important, just like in your. He so he was saying, he was trying. He was trying to get us to see. You have a human body, and you consider all your body parts important, right? In other words, uh, we had a friend named Eddie Morrow. Many, many of y'all remember Eddie, but Eddie lost his big toe. Okay, big toe could not stand without support could hardly, he would, he needed help walking. He needed like a, a cane to walk because he lost a big toe. Isn't that crazy? Because he lost that one little body part. It affected his whole life. You know? And so that's how, what Paul was trying to get to us. That although your big toe is not seen, nobody's uh, kissing big toes that have a right mind. Okay? <laughs> People paint their big toes right? Well, women do, hopefully just women, okay? Men, I don't think are supposed to be painting their toes. That's just my opinion. I'm not painting my toes, and I don't want none of my boys painting their toes, and I don't want my grandkids painting their toes, you know? Because if any of them do, I'm coming after them about it, just to settle that. But women that looks good on them, I'm happy about that. But most of the times, we're not thinking about our big toe. Most of the time, it's hidden away in our shoe, but it's vital. And so what Paul was trying to tell us, just because you may not be seen, you're vital. You're important. You see, we don't look at it like that, do we? We look at church as option. Oh, I'm going to go to church. But church is not an option as far as Paul's concerned. Paul's saying, no, church is vital, and every part's vital. That's really what the Bible teaches y'all. And that is not how Americans look at it. That's what probably most people in the world don't. Yet God, when he looks at us, he looks at us as a body. And he looks at every person as an important body. He looks at every congregation as being part of a bigger body. So, in other words, God is saying the church down the road is not needed. You need them as much as they need you. Just as much as your body needs a hand, you need them. And on a personal level. Are you all following this? So this, that's a very key, important revelation. And I think it's one of the least... It's, we don't carry that revelation, do we? Let's be honest here. That's not a real revelation for us. Because if it was, church would be different. We want church to be like the book of Acts. But we haven't really got that revelation, which was a key to be in a miraculous church, being the church that we all dreamed of, the New Testament church. Now, that's really the truth. We, we want a, 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 Listen, we want the church to be a certain way and look a certain way, but we're not willing to be what the Bible says to be for it to happen. And I'm just telling you. Well, okay. Let's look at this next one, the next two. I put those together. A family and a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Don't you love that? Uh, Oh, these scriptures here have been really good for me lately. I've been thinking about them a whole lot. God is waking something up, y'all, about these these scriptures right here, at least in my life. There's just a thing happening that's powerful. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's the house of God. In other words, you, the question that everybody has on this earth when it comes to any, any group is, do I belong? Am I a part? That's really, that's really a question that we all have. Do I belong in this family? Am I a part? Or am I on the outside looking in? Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, I spent a lot of my first years as a Christian in the church looking like, trying to see, wondering, do I really belong? I mean, I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like I fit in. Well, I've told Beggy this a hundred times. I spent most of my life, everywhere I went, I don't fit in nowhere. <laughs> That's the way I felt. Nowhere I went in my life did I feel like I, I didn't even feel like I fit in with my family. That is a terrible feeling. That's a spirit at work called the orphan spirit. That's why I felt that way That wasn't a good feeling That was a bad feeling It was a terrible feeling y'all It's a terrible feeling for people to walk in a church A believer And have this feeling of being on the outside Looking in God doesn't want that God wants people to know You belong This, This is yours This is my house You belong in my house You are a member of my house And he wants to convince us of that And I think in the last days, this is really going to become key uh, for us to really know this. That God wants us to feel loved and belong. Having built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We won't go into that this morning, but that's a big deal right there. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That's the ultimate big deal, right? Right? You know, Christ is everything Christ is the foundation of the church but God wants a listen to me God wants a prophetic and apostolic culture in the church that's what that's saying I'll just go ahead and throw that out briefly to you that's how the church is built the church is built through an apostolic and prophetic culture built on Christ himself and you know we we'll talk about more of that about later. But that's really important. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together for a, listen, a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. See, that's what God wants the church to be. He wants the church to be a place where He dwells. Listen, we're not talking about just... Theoretically, we are talking experientially. We are talking Acts 15. This is what James, the pastor. Are you all good? Here's what I feel. I feel resistance. And this is why I feel resistance. Because you're going to be challenged about this. Okay? We need to be challenged about the church, y'all. Okay? And we need to stop being condemning toward the church and pointing fingers at the church and really connecting with God's heart about it. Because all that other stuff is not helping. It's not fixing nothing. So James, the pastor of a church, and not James, the brother of Jesus, not James who wrote James, the other James, right? That was the guy. The James and... In, uh, who became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Y'all, y'all know there's two Jameses in the Bible, right? Everybody knows that. I'm just trying to make sure you understood that. That James, they called Peter in because Peter, in Acts 10, went to Cornelius' house. And he ate with them. He went there because the Holy Spirit revealed something to him on a rooftop in Caesarea. So he goes down here and he preaches the gospel. This is great. Acts 10 is great. He preaches the gospel to the Gentiles who, at that point, had not heard the gospel. They get saved, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and start speaking in tongues. Isn't that amazing? Don't you love that? He just goes there and preaches, and he's like, oh my gosh you know, what in the world is happening here and then they wanted to be baptized we need to be baptized and he's saying, well who can hinder you from being baptized, you're praying in tongues the Holy Ghost has come upon you just like he did with us well guess what, he got in trouble for doing that he got called on the carpet, he had to go back to Jerusalem which was the main church and explain to them why he did what he did because From a Hebrew mindset, at that point, you cannot do that. You can't go hang around with Gentiles. You can't preach to them. Isn't that that insanity? That's so racist. Racism is in the heart of every human being. And the only way we get free from racism is through the gospel. There's no other way. We will never solve racism in our country. And racism is in our country. A lot of people don't believe that. It is embedded in every nation. Every nation on earth is racist. In fact, Jesus said at the end times there would be uh, ethnos will rise against ethnos. Ethnic groups. It's racism. The way we get that, though, is the gospel of the kingdom will heal that and break the power of that spirit of racism where we begin to love the races and see that they have something to give us. You know, that they carry a little bit of a different God. It's like we were, gosh, I got to hurry up. We were talking about a friend of ours. I was with some friends this week from back in the day, and we were talking about this woman named May Gadpile. What kind of name? Was she was a black woman. I asked her one time, I said, May, let me ask you a question. When you think about God the Father sitting on the throne, what do you see? Do you see a white God or a black God? She looked at me like, a black God, of course. But most of us probably think God's white. Or if we're black, we might think he's black. What if we get to heaven and he's all of those? What if he's everything? Because everybody's created in his image. So somehow there's a part of God that's black as tar. And white as snow. I believe that. Well, anyways. So anyways, back to James. Are y'all fun? James stands up. He stands up for Peter. This is what he he stood up for him and said, Listen, this is what was prophesied that God was going to rebuild the tabernacle of David, where all people could come and experience the Lord. The tabernacle of David was put on the earth. David's backyard, it was a tent, that's all it was. Where people could come, anybody could come And walk into that place And God's presence was right there for them That was unheard of in David's time That was actually illegal in David's time Because they had another tabernacle that was there at the same time But God had left that tabernacle and came to David's Why did God leave it? Because God wanted to be with His people He wanted to dwell with them and live with them He was willing to break His own rules To do that. And I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. This is the truth if there's ever a truth in my heart. There's going to be places before Christ comes back all over the world just like that. Where people can go and experience God. There will be churches. There will be homes. I don't know businesses. Maybe in the middle of the woods where God just decides to settle down. And his presence is real, and people can go there, and we can grab our friends who don't know the Lord and drag them into it, toss yeah. them in there, and they come out changed because they met God. They had an encounter because God was dwelling and alive and real. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to take that in the last days. It's going to take it in the last days for what the earth will be experiencing. It's going to take that kind of power for for there to be an overcoming people. I really believe that, y'all. And so that's why the Bible talks about us being a dwelling place of God, the church, a dwelling place. And that has to become the important thing. The church is a family. It's a dwelling place of God. It's a body. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.